Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. On episode 45 of the Green Street Hammers podcast, Adam and Jeremiah jump in on West Ham's 3-2 loss to Tottenham at the London Stadium and why that should have been the last draw with manager Manuel Pellegrini. We also talk about his possible replacements, look ahead to the Chelsea match, and answer some Hammers polls questions as usual. Keep it locked on the Green Street Hammers podcast. Welcome back to the Green Street Hammers podcast. It is officially episode 45. Uh, myself and Jeremiah here for what should be a really positive, happy time talking about West Ham. Jeremiah, how are you doing out in Colorado there? Dude, I'm doing good, man. Like I told you uh, pre-pod, we got about 15-ish inches of snow last night. So shoveling, sled riding, I'm warming up now with a little bit of uh, some Baileys and coffee. So it's good. There you go. I love it. There you go. So here it's about 10 degrees Celsius. Um, so I think we got rain in the forecast tomorrow. Should be a lovely spring day uh, up in Toronto. But uh, as far as weather is going, uh, it, even with 16 inches of snow, it's not as bad as things are going at West Ham right now. We're coming back and coming off of a 3-2 loss to Tottenham in a London Derby. Uh, if you can't get the players motivated for this one, uh I think it's probably indicative of how your future is going to go at the club and Manuel Pellegrini couldn't do just that. Uh, if you look at the match scoreline and the stats, you'd probably think, oh, like pretty good, pretty good competition, but um, there was nothing good in this one for West Ham, was there? No, don't let the uh, scoreline fool you. You know, the 3-2 and it looks good on paper, but yeah, it, was, it wasn't even close. And like you said, keeping the heads up, they did for a bit, but uh, you know, as soon as that sun goal went in, it was, you know, you could see their heads going down and then just demoralization of it coming back up. So, yeah, it was, um, I think, what we all expected, but it still hurts. And I'm, I'm going to pull up the team the team sheet here. Um, we saw the under-23s go in action on the Friday, I believe, and we saw the team names, uh, the team list that was there. So there was no real youth surprises in the first team, um, which may have been a surprise in and of itself. Uh, but as far as we're concerned, the starting lineup was Roberto, Fredericks, Ogbonna, Diop, Cresswell, Rice, Noble, Snodgrass, Yarmolenko, Felipe Anderson, Allaire. On the bench, David Martin, Zabaleta, Balbuena, Sanchez, Fornals, Antonio, and Jetty. First and foremost, it was great seeing Antonio back on the team sheet there, and, mm. and his performance in the game was uh, bar none the, the best for West Ham. Yeah, it was, and seeing him come back out, and he really put in a, he put in a shift for what he was out there for, and it was good to see. Yeah, nothing really – I mean, I, I don't know if you're going to this, but nothing really uh, surprised me other than maybe Roberto starting. But I think that that was kind of always going to be in the cards. I think there was three changes people were really pulling for in this one. David Martin to start in goal. Mm-hmm. Angelo Ogbonna to be back at center back for Balbuena. And uh, Arthur Mazuaku to be back in at left back for Cresswell. I don't think Cresswell has been exactly bad in this Mm-mm. stretch. I just think he doesn't offer enough going forward. 
and that's pulling on Felipe Anderson, who has a lot of chemistry with uh, Mazuaku. Uh, Mazuaku, Agbano draws back in. He was, uh, I think, one of our better players in this match, to be honest, uh, and, and Diop didn't have a very good good game, so that made him look even better. But um, just looking at the team here, was there any was there any sort of there's nothing really to spark excitement in my eyes when i looked at this when i saw it i was it was 6 30 in the morning i set my alarm for six i was up and out of bed the dog had been let out the coffee was on uh and i'm waiting for this tweet to come in that the starting lineup's been announced and i looked and i was just like ah oh, come on like this yep. is the same thing same thing it's the same thing every week and it doesn't help that the goalkeepers at the top of the list so the first name you see you're like oh shit I'm like here we go so uh at least martin would be a talking point right it would be. It would be something different. And, yeah, I don't know what's going on with Roberto, but I'd like to see Mazuaku too. But like you said, Cresswell hasn't been he hasn't been that bad. But I really want to know what's going on with Mazuaku because, once again, he not only didn't start, but he wasn't even on, on the on the bench. So And everyone's uh, good friend, ex-West uh, Ham U employee, <laughs> confirmed that he approached the manager this past week saying that he's not happy with his usage at the, t- the club, which is non-existent. And, uh, you know, the... the there, there was belief maybe that after the international break, you know, you kind of refresh, everyone gets back in shape. Mazuaku went and played for for his country in Africa in international mm-hmm. friendlies, uh, and not by all accounts was great. So why can't he get a game at West Ham right now? What do you think the only reason could be? It must be chemistry. It must be, you know, that he's pissed off Pellegrini in some way. Um, and I don't know, you know, I don't know Pellegrini, but like you just kind of see the way he runs his teams. He doesn't change anything. His formations stay the same. Everything stays the same. We saw a tweet from X and a couple other people that practice was the same yesterday, even after losing once again and, you know, not looking good in the last like eight, nine matches. Um, everything stays the same with him. So I think that if you possibly just him getting in there and frustrating Pellegrini, probably with that quote and probably with, I'm sure, other things in person that we don't hear about. It probably frustrates him, and I could see him possibly not doing that. Obviously, it's always just assumption, but that really, to me, is the only reasonable outcome as to why that could have happened. Yeah, I don't know what what could have broken broken down there. I mean, the last time we saw a fullback get in this much of a doghouse was Arbaloa, who went after a youth team player and and Slavin Bilic basically expelled him from the team. So yeah. I, I don't I don't know what could have happened, what the the change could have been. Now, when we look at our midfield here, actually, when I was watching uh, in Canada, the, the, the games come through on DAZN as the provider, uh, and it, it's the same feed, and they put West Ham as a 4-3-3, and I was laughing mm. because that would be awesome. You have the team four, you'd think, the back four is itself, but you have Rice in a, in a holding midfield spot, Noble and Snodgrass in that central midfield just sort of patrolling up and down the pitch, supporting on defense, also helping link the attack, and then Yarmolenko, Anderson staying high and out wide and, and helping Allaire in the middle. That'd be great. I would love that. This this eleven player, these eleven players right here would be perfect for that. But Rice gets isolated, Alaire gets isolated. That midfield four doesn't know how to play in that system, which is one of the more frustrating parts about this. And, and you know, I think all of the attention is going inappropriately so and negatively so on Pellegrini because he's had this team now for an entire season and a few months. More than that, anyways. They've been to China. They've been to Europe uh, for their preseason training camps. They've been all over the place. He knows these players. He's picking these players. He's picking consistently the same group of players. Why do they not know how to play in his system? I cannot figure it out. It's it's baffling to me. 
It is. It's not like we're talking about a guy that, you know, like you said, just showed up. He hasn't just showed up. He's been here. It's the same system. I know last year they switched up the formations a couple of times, right, because of injury and other things like yeah. that. But this is his kind of steady Eddie. This is what we're running. And so they know what's happening. And still there's no uh, there's no heart. There's nothing getting performed out of it. It's uh, it's just a letdown, really. And, and you only saw heart, like I said before, like 15 minutes into this match. As soon as that goal went in on a goal that probably should have been stopped, but I'm not a keeper, so I'm not going to sit here and judge about it. But, yeah, you could just see it instantly. It just the lights went out and everything was over. And Pellegrini's not that not that gaffer like we talked about before that's going to come in and yell and kick and scream and get people motivated. So it just seems like right now I just really don't see a way uh, for him to come back, for this whole situation to come back and to rise up. I mean, now we say that it could happen, but I don't see it. I don't. I just don't see any any kind of positivity moving forward at this point. No, like I, I don't see the belief in the team. I don't see the players being inspired by the manager. I don't mm-hmm. see the manager inspiring his team. I don't see the team buying into what the manager is putting forward. If there's anything really being put forward, I, I don't know. I'm super curious about what the pregame speech would sound like, what the halftime speech would sound like, regardless of the scoreline. When they score a goal, he stands up off of his seat and claps. When something goes wrong, he points at the pitch, turns around, and sits back down in his chair. There's no motion. Uh, and, you know, I don't want him to be a showman like uh, you saw Pep Guardiola last week when he's you know, <laughs> running to the officials and slamming their hands in the face. But, like, Billich will be down on his knees. I think he got a fine because he kicked a microphone at one point in time when, mm-hmm. when, uh, when something didn't go our way. Uh, and you know what I mean? Like, it's just that, that little bit of humanness. And, and I think – what sort of sums this up perfectly is the or, or is you know encapsulated in the reports that are coming out that West Ham's board had a meeting with Pellegrini and his staff on Monday, and once it concluded, the belief is they would he would get two more matches to to turn this around. Those matches mm-hmm. are against Arsenal and Wolves, or sorry, uh, Chelsea and Wolves, and it doesn't look great for no. them to win either. Those Wolves are now back on form and they're they're kicking it in, in Europe and they're they're beating people in the Premier League now. But regardless. He was said to have been given those two teams uh, to beat or to at least show up against. And the the belief was that he's not taking this seriously. He's not taking the situation that West Ham were in seriously. And like, if you want to look at it realistically, uh, let me pull up the table here. We're sitting in 17th place. That mm-hmm. is one spot above relegation. We're in minus seven on goal differential, which is tied for uh, fifth in the Premier League at worst. Our form is... Loss, 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 draw, loss. Uh, we're not scoring goals. We've conceded a ton of goals. And we're also only three points. Like if Norwich win and we lose, we're level with them on points. And, you know, the goal differential, judging by how Chelsea's firing right now, could be worse. I mean, we're behind them by eight goals, but I don't see us slowing down this Chelsea attack that's young and exciting at all. So how, how can you view this? as not a quote-unquote serious situation? Is that just the detachment from the manager and the club? Is that him thinking that eventually the system will work? How do you try and contextualize him, the manager, Pellegrini, not taking this seriously, as reports suggest? Right. Um, I think that you... I don't, I don't know. I'm at a loss for words of this. I've been trying to kind of capture... Let's kind of get it figured out in my own mind, and I, I just can't. I think that all these all these signs point to it's time to go and yeah normal season sitting at 17th you know maybe it's frustrating but it's not with all the promise of all the money that's been brought in and all the players that have been brought in 
and coaching staff and all of this kind of anticipation for getting a top top six, top eight, whatever that looks like. I mean, those are all long, long forgone dreams at this point. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I think that it needs to look fresh. I know there's a lot of money that will be get divvied out if you know Pellegrini is sacked and let go, but. At this point, there's going to be a lot more money that's going to be lost if, for Absolutely. whatever reason, we get relegated and go down. And you were talking about Norwich. Thank God this weekend they play Arsenal. So I don't – well, oh, I don't man. know. I mean, Arsenal yeah, – Southampton <laughs> beat, uh, drew them and almost beat yeah. them. They should have beat them. They have dead to rights. Yeah, I, so I don't know. I mean, but like you said, we're probably – I don't see any positive way of, of winning this match, but I guess it could happen. It's another London Derby sort of. I mean, I know I don't really have a hatred for Chelsea, but the players still might get up a little bit for it. But they didn't get up last match, so what do you expect out of this? And yeah, it's like you said, if Norwich get three points somehow against Arsenal, which is looking possible, I mean, it's definitely not. They played okay last week. Um, I believe they won last week, did they not, Norwich? Yes. I think they played. Yeah, they they played and beat. uh, Let me figure it out here. I got it right here. Uh, They played and beat Everton 2 0. Yeah, so I mean, maybe they're they're not a great team, but maybe they're getting on another string of form. And if that happens, then boom, we're in relegation zone. And I just don't see—I don't think two more weeks is going to do anything. Um, not against these two sides. I think you're you're completely correct in that. And and if you look at the matches coming up, Chelsea, Wolves, Arsenal, Southampton, Liverpool, Palace, Leicester, and then we're into the new year. So out yeah. of that. Out of that whole string of matches, you would think West Ham should, on current form, nothing is is given here. Southampton, mm-hmm. you'd think, okay, Southampton, they should win. Crystal Palace, it should be close. They're not touching. Arsenal, I don't even know what to say about them right now. Chelsea, they're not touching. Wolves are not touching. Arsenal up in the air. Southampton, you'd think West Ham should win. Liverpool will slap them. Palace are, are a strong defensive side, and we can't unlock teams right now. So mm-hmm. what's that say for them? Uh, and they're good at set pieces, which we struggle at. And by good, I mean they have tall players that jump for the ball. That's all it <laughs> takes to score against us. Uh, and then Leicester are a team of, of destiny this season and are, are pushing on the way we thought West Ham would. So why would we think that West Ham can contend with them? There's just so much uncertainty right now. I don't know where to go with this team and, and, and the form moving forward. Uh, and, and I don't know. Like, let's. I guess let's finish off the chat about the Tottenham match. Uh, by, by talking about the goals against and the goals for. All three goals against went through Roberto's hands. The first one, Sun scoring off the rush, did a step over, cut wide left. Um, he's always going far post on that shot. Uh, he it was, he's a, it was a left-footed shot. He's always going to go far post on that. When the ball was hit, Roberto's hand is in the right spot. He flinches into his body, and by the time he puts his hand back, it's gone. Um, mm. that's a save if Fabianski's in net that's a save if Adrian's in net that's a save if Darren Randolph's in net that's probably a save <laughs> if Joe Hart's in net um, I, I don't get what's going on there anyways the the second goal against uh, that was uh, Lucas Mora's uh, mm. terrific goal in my opinion and this one this was a well worked ball crazy skill by Deliade to keep it in on the sideline kick it back with his heel uh, Sun sends that perfectly timed ball across the box people are digging up Cresswell um, he was picked he played fine in this match in my estimation but Lucas Moore is a speedster and mm-hmm. he, he beat him to the ball now Mora did not put the ball high he did not put the ball to either side he put the ball directly at Roberto who dove Superman style and it went through his hands um, mm-hmm. I, I again I, I, I don't know if he just closes his eyes once the final shots coming in um, but it was never more apparent than on their final goal which was Harry Kane's header um, 
people are digging out Issa Diop in this one. He had a yellow card given to him. I mean, that's never a yellow card, right? Right. No, that was that's laughable. That's a best. foul on yeah. Kane, right? Yeah. He pulled yeah. him down. I he don't did. know. Yeah. So now we're without him for our next match against Chelsea, um, which sucks, but we'll get to that. But anyways, uh, Kane actually scores this header falling backwards because Diop's boxing him out. He just nods the ball forward on a, on a good whipped cross, but Diop was taking him out of the play. He heads the ball forward, and again, Superman dived to his right. It goes directly between both of Roberto's hands and goal. Um, I, I think, it, in, in hindsight, if we get one of those saves on any of the three goals, which were saveable balls, mm. the second one, I don't care. Give that to them. That was a great goal. It was quick reaction time, whatever. One of the other two goals, West Ham get at least one point. Yeah, Fabianski's a net in this one, and maybe more because of his of his delivery. So, uh, it's just so frustrating. Uh, um, but West Ham come back in this one, and and who other than Mikel Antonio on his return to action to score the goal, and then beautifully worked ball between him and Mark Noble in this one. What did you think about? We kind of touched on it lightly, but this goal specifically, and how Antonio looked in the second half. It was great to see. Like you said, it was a perfectly uh, taken shot, well played, well set up. Uh, you know it. <laughs> I think it's exactly what we all needed and wanted. It's kind of devastating that that happened when we're already three nailed down. You know, it's you get excited about it, but you kind of it kind of almost loses its uh, excitement just because of the scoreline and how the match has already gone at that point. But dude, like you said, it's great to see him back, and I think that it's this the fact that he played this well his first match back. Where last time when he came back from injury, it took him probably half a season to kind of get back to the real Mikhail Antonio is huge. Absolutely. So. If this is if this is the uh, Mikhail that we're gonna have, this is good news going ahead. Um, but a lot of other pieces need to change. And like you said, I know we're not talking about Roberto, but going back on that, if he just makes one save, if he makes two of those saves, Fabianski's in. We, if Fabianski's in, we win this match. Yep. Um, just simple. I mean, he might have stopped all three of those, but who knows? But yeah, the, the Mora one, great goal. But yeah, Antonio, and I'm glad to see him back. And hopefully this week he starts, so we'll have a, at least a little bit more pace on that right side. And it's also good to see him get in and get the confidence building um, because if you played for 90 minutes or 70 minutes rather than 45, um, who knows what he would have done and what he can do. But I'm happy that he just got the half to get ready. But also you want him to not be dragged down with the rest of the team. Let him pull the rest of the team forward with him. Uh, the second goal was just as time was expiring, the 96th minute and stoppage mm-hmm. time. Ogbon on a corner, uh, not with his head, with his foot. Um, and this goal and, and the first one really by Antonio were proof that Gazaniga is not really all that great of a keeper in, in my no. estimation. So West Ham, they had four shots on target, 11 shots in general. I'm not terribly outdone by Tottenham with 15 and six on target. But this game, uh, Tottenham shut it off in the second half. They didn't even show up. Uh, the Kane goal was, uh, again, in the second half, just a header on a, on a wide cross in. But West Ham leveled a lot of the stats by Tottenham shutting off. And it was essentially a favor done to Jose Mourinho saying, rather than making this easy under the new, and then under the new manager and, you know, you know, this team's turning around, whatever, whatever, all those mental storylines, we gave them some bulletin board material, the clean sheets gone. They conceded two goals. They stopped playing for 45 minutes. It was great. It was perfect for them. They got the win. They didn't drop any points. Uh, and we gave them motivation to continue to get better, which is just awful in my estimation. Um, but, uh, we're going to take a quick little two-second break, uh, and when we get back here, we're going to talk about the new latest news, which is, uh, again, we kind of touched on already, but Manuel Pellegrini possibly out and who we would back as his replacement. So keep it tuned on the Green Street Hammers podcast. 
All right, we are back. Thank you for sticking with us there. And uh, we are jumping in now to the latest and hottest topic, which is who is going to take over for Manuel Pellegrini. Um, there's three names that are out there right now uh, that are heavily linked. And as far as I'm concerned, all three of them make me very less than inspired. Uh, the three names, Rafa Benitez, uh, Chris Hooten, and uh, lastly, <laughs> David Moyes reunited <laughs> with the club. Uh, do any of those names really get you fired up, Jeremiah? No. I mean, go back two years, three years, maybe even four years. And, you know, Rafa, then Rafa sounds exciting. But like we talked about last week, he's gone to China, going for a payday. And he just remind everything about him right now reminds me of Pellegrini. Yep. And uh, yeah, I don't need that. don't want that. Chris Hutton, he did okay. You know, nothing, like you said, nothing really stands out as far as like, a lightning in a bottle or anything like that. He kind of s- slow, methodical, defensive style play. Pick up a point or two when you can. Um, and yeah, Moisey, I'm all right not having him back. And luckily, I think, I guess it all depends on what Everton does. But uh, it'd be nice to see him go back there and then we wouldn't have to worry about it. I guess if I had to pick between, I'm gonna just going to push Benitez out for me. If I had to pick, pick between Hutton and Moyes, I would go with Hutton just to see something new. But yeah, none of those really are standing out or kind of like yes let's go get that let's get rid of Pellegrini for that yeah I, I completely agree with your breakdown there Hooten has something to prove because if he fails in another gig he's not going to be able to make it back to anything relatively close to top tier so mm-hmm. I think he would be motivated plus he, he was a West Ham player for a short stint of time um, he would be my pick out of those ones but again it's not it's not a next level manager signing pulling someone no. like Eddie Howe or Sean Dyche giving those people the money they deserve and the money they need to, to, to step on, I think would be a really strong, a really strong move of intent. Um, or Kovac, uh, a lot of people are talking about him from, from Bayern. I don't know if he would come here. I doubt it, but making an inquiry on him to show, you know, that you have this, you know, desire to be better. Mm-hmm. If they sign someone like Hooten, I'd be okay in the interim, I would back him. He's West Ham's manager. The same thing with David Moyes. Mm-hmm. You know, David Moyes showed up. Everyone's pissed, but okay, he's here. He's our manager. We have a chance. And under Moyes, we had a terrific start. I think we had a five or six match unbeaten string um, that ended with the FA Cup semifinal with a really, really thin squad. Uh, we lost to Arsenal in December. Uh, so it would have been League Cup probably then. But uh, yeah, you know, there was a really strong push. And, and we just need to have that belief regardless of of what happens, what manager gets appointed. But Benitez, like you said, old, past it, gone to China to pick up a paycheck. He's proved what he needs to prove. He's been to the top clubs. He's been in the mm-hmm. Premier League before. Give me someone who wants to succeed. Um, and you know what I mean? Hooten's not, he's the best of a bad bunch, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you could pick one person to be manager, who, who would you pick? Uh, maybe give me your top three choices. Uh, and, and and why? And I'll see if I agree, see if I disagree. But I just think there's there's better there's better choices out there than, than what we're seeing. So I think top three. Uh, weirdly, I go third place. I, I would go with Kovic. Uh, not that he's not great. Well, I don't think he would come here, like you said. But bring him in there, getting him in there. I mean, he, he knows Alair. He knows how that system works. Um, he would probably definitely switch the system up, which would be beneficial for him and be able to use him in the right way. And then, you know, maybe he can link up some of his other buddies that were at Frankfurt two years ago. Um, 
to come in and kind of perform well, that would be great to see. But I think kind of like you mentioned, that might be kind of wishful thinking. Put that on the Christmas list, but it's probably not going to happen. Um, but realistically, I would love to see Eddie Howe. I'll put Eddie Howe at two, and that might ruffle a little bit of feathers because I know a lot of people want him. His He's quick. The dude's got – he's got quick, agile, pacey wingers and the team runs they're always constantly running they're moving and pushing and going and you see that and he hasn't had a lot of like lights out teams and lights out players on his squads but they played well i would love to get in there i don't know how realistic that is either but the one that kind of stands out to me and the one that we've heard but then keeps coming back and forth and weirdly enough apparently maybe reached out to the club i'm not really sure if that's how true that is or not i know x posted and talked about it but sean deitch uh, at burnley what he's done with burnley and look People look at Burnley and they're like, ah, oh, like you know, this is West Ham we're talking about here. But if you look at Burnley, I think they're what seventh, sixth or seventh right now. They're sitting on a, a buttload more points than we are, and um, they're playing really good football. And Sean Dyche has passion. He has um, not just passion for the players or for the club or whatever, but he's actually out there. He's motivated. He's getting the players to perform the best way that they can. I mean, getting them back to practice. And, and once again, it's another high rate type of practice that you see from him and his players that aren't you know the greatest you go back a couple weeks and you look at chris wood and you look at ashley barnes and those really when you look at them statistically you'd be like wow these are really great forwards these are really good strikers but you know they're they're average at best but they're playing really well it's because he has a good he knows how to use them two at the front so for me long story short yeah i would go with deitch then how then kovich yeah, I your top two uh, are very are similar to mine. Actually, they're exactly the same as mine. Uh, I like the dice uh, prioritizes defense, but also uses two attackers to balance it out. And Eddie Howe does the same thing. Um, I don't think he's as strong as a defensive manager as uh, Dice is. Uh, looking at Burnley and, and looking at you know how much money they spend, it, it's more on developing players than it is on buying players. And I would love that mentality with the raw talent that we have in the club with with the likes of Nathan Holland and Scully and Dan Kemp and Elfie, Elfie Lewis just bang one in off the crossbar and their 4 nothing win over Aston Villa. And mm-hmm. you look at, you know, uh, Joe Powell as well. And then the defensive people like Ben Johnson, Cardoso, see if he's got it there. Uh, you just don't know. And you'd like to see a manager who wants to pull those kids up. Um, Billich wasn't great for that when he was at West Ham. Rumors were that he, he wouldn't even watch them play and Pellegrini's yeah. been involving them in first team training, which I think is good for them to to you know battle against those bigger guys. But if you bring them in to train and then you never select them, what good does that do at all? So I want to see that other side of it, and, and I think that Dice would be the guy to do that. Look at I, I put out a tweet on the Green Street Hammers account saying Nathan Holland becomes Dwight McNeil if mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> if Dice comes over left left uh, sided midfielder attacker with uh, that, that's come through the academy perfect it's the storylines are already there but uh yeah for for me it's all about dice how would be a great second replacement or second second uh tier replacement i think it'd be difficult to get him because there's been a lot of rumors that he runs everything head to toe at the club Mm -hmm. uh and i think that would be enough for the davids to um (laughs) to cut off that idea uh and he hasn't bought the best uh in the last couple years so um, you never know. He, he's also, but I think on the other flip side, he's good at valuing ta- talent that other people don't. If you look at Callum Wilson, you look at Nathan Ake, these are players from top clubs that were on the fringe. He mm-hmm. brought them into the fold, made them priority pieces, and has really excelled with you know giving new life to these players. So I think Eddie Howe uh, would be a great choice. And my third choice, 
Uh, it's off the board a bit, but uh, I really, really, really <laughs> tell us just how low the bar is right now. Weston. I was really <laughs> impressed with the 10 second clip of Joe Cole outlining how he would change mm. things around at the club. Uh, former hammer. He knows what it takes to be West Ham. He is someone who would get the players fired up training harder for a London Derby. He's the one who would know what it means to play against Chelsea, one of one of his former teams, I believe. So you know, you, you would you would get that fiery passion, that Premier League history player manager, someone young, exciting, and like you said, bring bring the fans into the fold. Let them see that this is exactly what's happening. This is our plan going forward. And being that new age sort of fresh mind when it comes to to football ideas, that would be my third third choice. But honestly, if if West Ham did something as brash as signing, uh, bringing in Ashley Cole, or and you know he he brought in Rio Ferdinand and Ginge as as his managers, I would be so I'm trying to censor myself. I'd be fired up. I'd be ready to mm-hmm. go through a brick wall for these guys. Yeah. You know who else would? Declan Rice would. Aaron Cresswell would. Mark Noble would. Those kids in the academy would be absolutely buzzing. And you know what that would do? Put a bead of sweat down the back of Felipe Anderson, uh, Yarmolenko, Pablo Fornals, basically saying like, okay, you got you guys who have been, you know, luxury players and, and can rely on your skill and your uh, previous achievements to win yourself a spot in the squad. Not anymore. Whoever's best, whoever's you know, whoever's showing up and, and putting in the training and putting in the performances on the pitch, that's who's playing. Look at mm-hmm. Rio Ferdinand. Look at Joe Cole. These are academy prospects that grew up in England that know what it's like to play physical English football. And then look at Ginge. He scares me even when he's talking about something. He could talk about puppies and rainbows, and I would still be like, eh, when's it going to come down? When's he going to kick one of those puppies off a rainbow? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's that, phys- that's that crazy edge. But I think about when Stuart Pierce was here as well. You thought he was going to grab someone by the neck in training and throw him to the ground. And sometimes someone needs that. That's what yeah. I want here. I want West Ham to be that like bastard club where it's you don't want to go to the London Stadium because we all know the fans are great. We know the fans, traveling fans are some of the best in the country, if not the best. We know we have the history, the culture to be a dominant team in this, in this league. We just need to find our identity. We relied, and rightfully so, on West Ham being, you know, East London, gritty, a little bit more physical, not not going to pull out of a challenge, but also having players like Decanio and Tevez with that flair that score goals and piss off your opposition. That's the heart and soul of West Ham. Having the grit, but also having the class. That's the West Ham way. Plucking somebody out of China, giving somebody a lifeline on their career. Scrap that. Get someone new in. I've talked myself into it. Joe Cole with Rio Ferdinand. <laughs> And James Collins are my number one <laughs> managerial team. I don't care. I'm going to pen an open letter. Just give me something new. Stop giving me recycled. I was all on board with Pellegrini joining the team. You took a shot. You spent big. It missed. Move on from it. Own up to it. Like you said, like I said, it's going to cost a lot more when we're relegated and no one's coming to this team. Bite the bullet. Go for something new. Think outside the box. Stop being a cookie cutter. Don't go for Marco Silva when he gets canned from Everton. Don't no. go for David Moyes again. Stop trying these these things. Try something new. Be cutting edge. I need to take a breath. What are your <laughs> thoughts, Jeremiah? I love it, dude. You got me ready to run through a brick wall. I think, uh, like, dude, like you said, bring in somebody with heart and passion. Throw Kevin Nolan on that list. Oh. Bring back Kevin Nolan and his little chicken dance. He'll be going up and down the <laughs> sidelines, pissing people off. Bring back the West Ham way that we – and everybody else that's a West Ham fan, unless you became a fan in the last two years, 
has known and loved. I mean, we have been that bastard club. We have been like, you know, in fights. Look at the history. Look at the history of this club. You don't have to go back that far, but you could, and it would all look the same. It's always been a club that's been like, oh, you know, West Ham, they play tough. You go back to the Julian Dix days. That dude, seeing what Snotty did to, to Kane, basically oh. pick him up and throw him down, I was cheering. I'm in my, like, downstairs. It's 6 o'clock in the morning, and I'm cheering. Waking like, the kids free, up. Who cares? Waking the kids up. I don't even care. I, I want that. I need that. And West Ham needs that. I feel like we've kind of gone as a club over the last couple of years, kind of posh, if you want to use that word. And I think a lot of people would agree with that. It might piss some people off, but it's the truth. I think they've gone they've gone a little weak. You bring in an old guy, which we all want a Pellegrini. I'm not sitting here saying I didn't want a Pellegrini, but he's proved himself wrong. He's worked himself out of a job, and you don't see the training. You don't see the harshness. You see it from several players, and you get all proper Brexit with it. <laughs> you say, like, Noble and Snodgrass and, and Rice and Cresswell, and that's it. But it's true. They're the only guys that are really playing that have any passion for this club. And I think that it's just it's proven to a point now where it's not going to work. I don't know why you're going to try any further. Bring somebody in that's actually going to light a fire under somebody. And you go back to Moyes. One of the best things he said was at first press conference. And I don't know if you remember this like two and a half years ago. Was it that we're not going to train with soccer balls? Well, I think it was that, but it was also like it, it was also like we are going to whoever trains hard is going to play. You train hard, you play hard. If you're not going to come out and you're not going to run, then you're not going to play. And that lit a fire. That's why you saw that immediate kind of change in form as people were wanting to play and were ready to play. And let's not forget that. I mean, realistically, we probably should have got relegated, but he because of what he was able to do with the club and how the club rallied around him and rallied around everybody pushed it back up and we didn't and, and then we were able to bring in what does Sorry, it say so, no, I just I just want to chime in on David Moyes as well people like to slag him off or whatever but he did his job he did it well mm-hmm. um, what does it say about the team and the players when David Moyes has to play five at the back and, and, and rely on Ar- Arnautovic and Lanzini to get goals up front that to me says he has no trust in this team's defensive structure he has mm-hmm. no trust in coaching it he wants to pack the box with as many people as he can and try and win on a counterattack uh, going the other direction. I think that says more than enough when it comes to uh, how the club was set up. And, and look at our defensive core right now. Ryan Fredericks is a new incumbent. And then we have Angelo Ogbonna, Issa Diop, and who's another incumbent under... Apparently that was a signing from the Sullivans that Pellegrini was, was on board with. Right. You know, Winston Reed's still in the club, and then on the left side, Cresswell's starting every week in and out as our left back. There's been very limited change when it comes to defensive personnel, and we play the same way. So maybe maybe Moyes was right this whole time. Maybe. <laughs> maybe, and um, dude, I don't know. There's got to be a change. There's got to be a fire because, you know, what's going to happen? God forbid we get relegated. Let's not talk about that, but... If it does happen, that's going to be a really eerie, empty stadium because it's a huge stadium. You'll have the loyal fans, the ones that have been fans from before, but a lot of the new ones ain't going to come, and no. you're not going to get the revenue, and it could quickly turn into – I know we talked about Stoke um, pre-pod and how they're fighting relegation right now in the championship. It can easily turn into that. and then Because it is – in England, you could look at the all-top four. There's going to be teams that are going to rise and they're going to fall, and right now – West Ham have been steady since, what, 2011 or 12. I can't remember when we got back up. But um, we've been steady, and we've been holding, and we got to stay that way. We have to remain relevant. We all bought into this idea that, you know, that the Davids and, and Karen Brady pulled on that we're going to have this big stadium. We're going to be top six. You know, we're going to be playing European nights and everything else. And 
yeah, it needs to happen. I mean, maybe you think about bringing Pellegrini and big and bringing Rafa and big names like that, but they're not going to be the part or the piece that's going to get this to work. They're not. They're just there to kind of finish out their career, play well, coach well for them, and they don't have any heart or desire or care. They're getting paid either way. Pellegrini, even if he gets fired tomorrow, is still walking away with $15 million, yeah, roughly. Yeah. Yep, he, his mean, pockets are filled. His pockets are filled, and they've already been filled. And, you know, he'll go back to Chile and, you know, live out the rest of his days. And so that's not what's needed. You know, bring in the Nathan Hollins. Bring in the Coventries. Bring in – anybody else scullies and all those guys bring them in and let them play like you said make the felipe anderson sweat a little bit like oh this kid's getting a shot over me but i make a hundred and you know ten thousand or whatever a week you know and this guy that's making like seven thousand is getting to play over me let that happen and, and see what what else can you lose right now i mean we're sitting in 17th it can only get worse but it could get a heck of a lot better so, and wouldn't yeah. you rather be on the cutting edge and, and on the positive side Look at Franklin. I know Frank Lampard mm-hmm. has a lot more, you know, players. Like you know, Lone FC was Chelsea, uh, <laughs> but you know, it's a strong core of young players there and a young attacking manager who's not so far removed from the game that he understands how the modern game's played. It's physical, it's quick, it's skill, but it's not one of those things over the other. He understands that it's dynamic, right? So mm-hmm. try and catch that lightning in a bottle with someone like Joe Cole before. You know, he gets snatched up by a team in the championship or League One and then starts cutting his teeth. And, and, you know, it's years later that you start realizing West Ham missed the trick on this guy. Dude, you wrote a piece about it like maybe a month ago when you were talking about how West Ham should look at Chelsea. You're absolutely right. I mean, everybody, including myself, was like, oh, Lampard's coming in here. He's barely inexperienced. He's one year with Derby County. And look how they've done. Look what he's done to a team that's on a transfer ban, a team that, you know, a all intents and purposes was not looking they were looking like they're going to be the club that's going to fall out of top six and they they mean who knows what could happen we're only a third of the way through the season but realistically like that's what you want to be we're not in this old age of football anymore it's it's time for change and it, it has to happen all these promises that have come down on us like need to be fulfilled or the davids are going to lose the club even more um, so either make it happen or sell it completely agree and with that, we'll take a quick another quick break here, and then when we come back, we will talk about the Chelsea match briefly, quickly, and then uh, finish off like we always do with our Hammers Polls questions. Don't go anywhere. All right, Jeremiah, we are back, and we have Chelsea on the docket here. Uh, Chelsea are a pretty impressive team this season. We were just talking about them. They're young. They're exciting. They're dynamic. They got a ton of players in there. And for the first time in forever, Olivier Giroud, uh, since joining Chelsea from Arsenal, is not their marquee striker. It's uh, Tammy Abraham, the, the, the England striker now. It's Mason Mount filling out the midfield of the, the left wing spot. It's Christian Pulisic. It's Hudson Adoy's coming in there. Willian, all of these strong players. Tamori in the back line. Zuma. They are an exciting, young, fast-paced team. Uh, they're coming off of a 2-1 loss to Manchester City, but an impressive one, and they will also be playing, as a time of recording this, uh, it's 5.30 on uh, on Tuesday here. They'll, they'll be playing Valencia tomorrow on Wednesday, uh, so that should be an interesting match to see how they who they start in that one and, and you know how they go about it moving forward, but they have a lot of players on this team. Uh, in a word, are you confident in West Ham turning up away to Chelsea? No. Me neither. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> you said a word, so I'll just say no. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Uh, is there one player on this team that concerns you that that's going to score, you know, two, three, four, five, ten goals against West Ham? 
you mentioned a lot of them. Uh, Pulisic, if he's playing, you know, maybe this is the American bias, but he's looking good, and he's finally coming into the player that I think a lot of people thought he was going to be and knew that he could be. You know, Conte scored that goal, I believe, against City, and he's kind of, I think a lot of times, quiet. You don't see his name a lot, maybe like a Declan Rice. Like, you know he's there, and then every once in a while, he'll kind of get on a form of a couple matches where he kind of is lightning in a bottle. And seeing him score against City, it kind of scares me a little bit because realistically that could happen again to us um so I, I, for me i would say those two names but you went on the whole list i mean in the way that we're playing in the midfield and the way that we're playing defensively right now any of those names could score um it's not looking good it's not looking bright and yeah they, they played pretty well against city i think they looked all right and city's a tough side and maybe they're not a liverpool type side anymore but yeah they, that was a solid match watching that and i feel like they got unlucky at the end um but yeah chelsea It'll be interesting to see how they play tomorrow. And just for all intents and purposes, they look really good. And I'm not at all <laughs> motivated to watch this match. I'm going to, I'll be awake and, and ready to go. But yeah, I could just see it kind of floundering like it did against Tottenham. Yeah, I'll be sharpening my pitchfork, lighting my, uh, lighting my, <laughs> uh, my flare on a stick. Uh, but yeah, just when it comes to this, this team, it, for me, it's Tammy Abraham. He's got. He's great with his feet. He's massive. He can. He can win a, a battle in the air as a target man, and he's good with the link-up play. And he's got wingers that are speedy, like William and Pulisic. So, uh, I think it's going to be tough to stop him. But when I look at this team, they set up in a four-three-three, and their three midfielders are exactly perfectly cast where they are. Jorginho in the midfield. He's in the. He's the central middle midfielder. Conte's to his right. Kovacic is to his left. Um, those players overlap as they need to, but those are three players who are central midfielders, if not defensive midfielders. Those three allow the top three, Pulisic, William, William and uh, Abraham, to stay high because they cover back, they close in, they pack the midfield, they press high, uh, mm-hmm. they, they press quick, rather, on the attackers, and they break up the play before it even gets to that back line. Um that's what I. That's what I love. That's what I would love to see West Ham in a four-three-three. You you turned me on to it last week about <laughs> packing the midfield, keeping the forwards high. Fleet Anderson has four assists this season in all matches, including an, an, a, a League Cup match, and no goals. Why? Because he's playing as a left wing back. Mm-hmm. Watch him play. When they're when the other team has the ball, he's back beside Cresswell. That's not where Felipe Anderson should be. Get it. I know he needs to come back. Anyone needs to track back. Stop making him a wing back, though. Keep right. him high. Same with Yarmolenko. Great, he's back. What's he gonna do for you? He's not fast. He's not gonna sprint up the up the pitch, and he's on his second torn Achilles. That's not gonna work. Keep them high by packing the midfield. Take the attacking midfielder out of it. Let your wingers be the support for Alaire in the middle. Let them drift into the box, and then have someone like Conte who scored that goal. Or Jorginho, who stays deep and, and, and pulls the passes and, and pulls the strings with the passes, or Kovacic, who's just physical and box to box and overwhelming. Let mm. them support them from behind, but let that front three stay up high. That's what I desperately want for this club, <laughs> but I I don't see it happening. Do, do you see? Uh, it's kind of been my my mantra when when criticizing Pellegrini. Pellegrini thinks that Pellegrini is more important than West Ham, so why would he change now, especially with his with his back to the fire? or his feet to the fire, rather, why would he change his... He's either going to go down as Pellegrini or succeed as Pellegrini, not as someone who's compromised on his game plan. Do you agree with that? I do agree. I don't see him changing anything, and it feeds right into the issue. One of the main issues... I mean, there's a lot of issues going on, but one of the main ones that you talk about is 
if that, you know, with Anderson, Yarmolenko, whoever's on the wings, they're not getting up there. You see any time that Noble or Rice or somebody will win the ball back and try to go on the counter, kick it up far to no Allaire, kick it up far to somebody, and no one's there. It, he's by himself, and, yeah, we all praise him for holding it. He's holding the ball so well, and he is because he has to. There's nobody else around it. Yeah, what's he going to do? I mean, what's, what else is he going to do? Like, yeah, he's got like five guys on him, and no one else is around him. Just you got to try at this point. Like, yeah, I understand. Yeah, you you mentioned it perfectly. Pellegrini thinks he's better, bigger than the club. At West Ham, nobody's bigger than the club. That's like an old mantra of the club. Yep. Nobody's bigger than the club. And Name he, on the front, not on the back. He is doing it, and he's not going to change. But he needs to change. Um, but he's not going to. I don't. I don't see it. We could all be shocked, and we'll come out and we'll see the team sheet. And we're like, oh, look at this. Like he actually changed. But I. I don't see it. It would have happened six, seven weeks ago, four weeks ago, five weeks ago, whatever. It hasn't happened. It's. it's I just don't see it. It's frustrating, honestly. Like <laughs> we do these podcasts, and I'm feeling a little bit happy at the beginning, and then at the very end, I just get more and more pissed off. <laughs> it's because we end the episodes by looking forward to the next match, and you realize, yeah. like, I don't see a way out of this one for us. I'm not. I'm not looking forward to any match until Southampton. I could see, like you said, before the new year. Realistically, the way we're playing, three four points. or five points, maybe. I think three if we're maybe. lucky. To be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah, is so sad. It's, it's it is sad, and if he's still if he's still managing by the new year, like no. you're gonna see riots, and well, you're gonna see, yeah, it. People I've seen pictures kind of come back up again from the Burnley match, and when people were riding, you know, kind of riding at the at the London Stadium, and you know, yelling and throwing stuff at the at the owners' box, and it's it's getting to that point. It's truly getting to that point. And I you think, see, sorry, go, sorry ahead. go ahead. No, I was saying you see lifelong fans like leaving talk about physically leaving the match because they just can't stand to be there and see this actually happen and it's not because they're not you know huge fans of the club they these are people that do have chosen this club over everything else in their life and i think a lot of us in some ways have and this is how we're getting repaid for it it's not cool it's not okay completely agree and and, yeah it's just a frustrating time in general but i think the biggest crack you'll see if West Ham lose this match, and I think everyone's preparing for it to happen, if Pellegrini makes it to to the day after, or makes it through the day after, or just checking Saturday 10 a.m. If Pellegrini makes it to Sunday at noon, that's when you'll start seeing organized protests. You'll start seeing, and you know what, I, the fans have every right at that point. There's right. it's it's. Insanity, and Jeff wrote a really good piece on Green Street Hammers about this. Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results is insanity, and that's what this is. Pellegrini's picking the same players to play the exact same way in the same formation, and it's not working. And the club are just letting them. You gave them the money, like we said. We we were supportive of the move at the time. Um, Captain Hindsight on Twitter will always tell you, I actually wasn't totally on board with it, and you know, okay, great. Uh, so so you're perfect, but everyone else is wrong. So. But listen, you took a swing, it didn't work, own up to it and and you know move forward. I think they said two games. I think that the backlash with that was, was so much so that people didn't they didn't really anticipate that. And realistically, we're not going to beat Chelsea and we're probably not going to beat Wolves. And a couple late goals isn't going to change that. So, uh Did I you think... see <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. No, no, please go. I was going to say, did you see somebody created like a fake Twitter account? pretending they were the club and they set out an official statement saying that uh you know pellegrini had been let go and i i'm reading it for a second for like a brief second i'm like no shit like it actually happened and then uh realized like oh this is a fake and a fraud but yeah um i think you're absolutely right if we get slaughtered um 
even if we lose at this point, I think that he has to go before the weekend's over. Uh, is it a Saturday match? Saturday, 10 a.m. Uh, Eastern yeah. time. Yeah, so at least we can kind of sleep in a little bit. But, um, yeah, that's not going to help things because, you know, that just gives us more time to maybe day drink and get ready for the match. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> double double uh, Baileys and coffee. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we won't go with score predictions. We'll save that for our weekly piece. But do you see West Ham scoring a goal in this match? <sighs> yeah, I can see him scoring a goal, possibly. I mean, with Antonio coming back, that might just give a little more life to the attacking side of things. So, yeah, I could see a goal going in. Um, it's Chelsea has, because they are such an attacking force, they have let it happen. But like you said, man, that midfield is solid. It's going to take a lot of work, and it's going to take a want and desire to get around it and through it. So um, I could see a goal coming in, but I don't think it's going to be enough. I think that Chelsea will put up possibly two, I think, I think at least two, if not three or four. Yeah, I think if they put enough shots on target, it's just inevitable. But I don't think West Ham is going to break them down. Their goal differential, 28 goals for, 19 against. So that they score uh, up with the big boys. But I just don't see West Ham beating them. Uh, they've, they've only mm-hmm. conceded 19 goals. And I think we've conceded 15 in our last since Roberto's taken over, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's just going to be too much. And I think... Um, it'll be a matter of the heads dropping, like we had said, after one goes in, and, and that'll be that for the club. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, Jeremiah, we are going to end, as we always do, with our Hammers Pulls questions. Uh, so we'll start here. Is Rafa Benitez the ideal man to be West Ham's next manager, yes or no? No, I think we already touched on it, and for me it's absolutely no. Yep, same path that Pellegrini took, and 71% of people agree with us there. Um, this is a really good question. At that Walshy kid, uh Hammers Polls retweeted this one. Based on West Ham's current form, which pair in their prime would you bring back to ignite the spark again? Adrian and Parker, Ginge and Joe Cole, Moses and Payette, Arnie and Carroll. Mm. This is I think this is a like really, really great question. This is a really good question. Um, I'm gonna I already know which one you're gonna go with, so I'm not gonna answer that one. But uh oh, man, that's mm, that's tough. Well, the first one you said Adrian and who? Parker. Adrian and Parker. I would love to see that. I mean, Ginger, Adrian Joe Cole, Moses, Payette, uh, Ernie Carroll. I would love to say Moses and Payette, but I can't pick uh, Payette. I mean, <laughs> I, love, I love Victor Moses, but I can't do that. I, I think seeing that Parker and Adrian, just the passion they had, they didn't care. You know, they were always screaming, always clapping their hands, always getting into it. I think that would be it. You'd have a keeper that can actually stop the ball, and then you got Parker who can run up and down and just ignite that midfield. So, yeah, that would be mine. <laughs> All right, I'm picking Ginge and Joe Cole. The winner in this one, it's, for me, you know, another defender who can actually defend and Joe Cole banging them in, uh, I'm down for it. Uh, Adrian and Parker, 24%. Ginge and Joe Cole, 23%. Arnie and Carroll, 4 And then Moses and Payette with 50% of the vote. Uh, shows you how desperate people are to, to get this team back, eh? <laughs> We'll say it's for Victor Moses, not for Payette. Ah, yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> uh, okay, rumors are currently going around that protests are being planned against the board. Would you support such a protest, yes or no? I'm, I'm anti-protest, but I think that uh, something needs to happen. I, I think, I mean, obviously I'm not like I'm over there <laughs> and I'm not going to be involved in any of this, but yeah, they need to know. I think obviously they see it on Twitter and they probably see it, but they need to know where the fan base is at. And like we said before, they need to know the heart the heart and soul of this club is the fans. Um, and nobody's bigger than the on the, the badge on the front. And 
yeah, I think they need to know it. Some type of protest. You can have friendly-ish protests. They don't have to be like pick, pitchforks and like, you know, <laughs> the old school way yeah. of doing it. But uh, yeah, I, I would be okay with that. I wouldn't look at it and be like, ah, here we go. Yeah. I'm the same as you. If it happens, it happens. Um, I think it's a bit embarrassing for the club, uh, but but also it's necessary at times, like the last one was. Um, mm-hmm. I voted no on this one. 68% voted yes that they would support it. At the same point in time, if you keep protesting every two seasons, does it really hold that much water anymore? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Um, do, do you agree with Jamie O'Hara, who said on TalkSport that the next West Ham manager should be Rio Ferdinand? Yes or no? Yeah. <laughs> uh- by himself, no. But if he had a good core of coaches around them, and maybe if he pulled something like the Cali brothers, where there's kind of two of them that are leading the front, whatever, whoever else might be with him, whether it's Cole or Nolan or somebody we've already talked about, if you're going to look down this ex-player kind of route, then sure. But by himself, uh, I would say no. Yeah, 85% of people agree with you and say no on this one. Uh, were you disappointed on Sunday morning that we didn't wake up to news of Pellegrini being sacked? This is, from, this is from uh, <laughs> a fellow podcast in the West Ham world at West Ham is why pod West Ham is why we drink is the podcast name. Mm-hmm. Uh, great, great gentleman over there that put out some great content. So if you, if you haven't heard of him and you're, and you're desperate for more uh, West Ham or you haven't listened to him just yet, um, do yourself a favor and, and jump in with those lads there. But uh, yeah, w- were you disappointed when Pellegrini <laughs> was not sacked in the morning? A little bit. I'm not gonna lie. I didn't see it happening. I don't honestly didn't think it was gonna happen. But a little bit. I kind of woke up and the first thing I looked at my phone was just for that, and it didn't didn't come up. But you know, I guess we kind of got our fill off of seeing some potential rumors of people coming in. But yeah, I was a little disappointed. What about you? Yeah, I'm the exact same way. I have the. Uh, we both have the the Green Street Hammers Twitter account pinned to us and our phone, so the tweet notifications are there. And I'm like, it's nothing. Radio silence. Like, come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> okay, so question from Ironsman JP. Uh, Hammers Pulls put this one up for him there. Given our pre-Fabianski injury form and the fact that he's due back soon, which looks like maybe another month, so Christmas time, uh, should we stick with Manuel Pellegrini on the assumption that all will return to normal once we actually have a keeper in net? No, but like you said, you know, I could see the I could see them doing something like that. But yeah, don't don't let them sit around just for the potential. You know, don't. I think at this point, like if as a manager, if you're worth that much, you're going to figure out how to get this club with your backup keeper to work it out, and he hasn't. So don't reward him by letting him stay and then hopefully letting a keeper come in and fix your problems. Yep, and he's your player that you've recruited and previously worked with, so mm-hmm. wear the egg on your face on that one. And Jeremiah, we will end with this one here. It's uh, pretty topical as well. Would you like to see Rice start at center back against Chelsea? And again, this is coming off of the news that Issa Diop is suspended due to yellow card uh, suspension uh, for a complete BS yellow card he got against Harry Kane. Uh, do you think Rice is going to be at center back or in the midfield? That's that's tough. I think realistically he's going to be in center back. Um, I would like to see him. Well, no, let me, let me change that. I think we'll still see him in the midfield. And I would like to see him in the midfield just not to switch up kind of where his head's at right now. And I think if we move him to center back, then it only leaves room for Sanchez to maybe start. And I don't want to see that, regardless if you think he did good or didn't do good during this match. And I've seen a lot of people throw up, well, we scored two goals when he came in, but really that was irrelevant. Like, Agreed. Him, that, him that was being them in there abandoning the game plan, anything. not Carlos yeah. Sanchez impacting the game. Yeah. So, no, I'm going to go with no. I, wanna, I think that was the right no. Yeah, I want to see him stay in the midfield. I don't see him being a, uh, a center back this match. Super close. Unless I say yes on it. Um, and I don't say yes because I 
maybe then I should answer no because it was would you like to see Rice? I think we will see Rice uh, in the midfield. Uh, I would prefer him to be in in uh, sorry in in. I think we're going to see him at center back, and I'd prefer to see him in midfield. So I'm with you on this one. Fifty one percent say yes, they want him at center back. To me, I think what happens in this match, I think it it's a coin flip between Pellegrini sticking to his system, trying to get a win, and also Pellegrini saying, you know, two fingers up and basically going, Rice, go to center back. My guy, Carlos Sanchez, you're in. Roberto, you're starting. It's a 4-1, 4-1. Screw it. Pablo Fornells, you're in the midfield as well. And I think we're going to get absolutely mashed. And it could. I, I think you could genuinely look to to terminate his contract based on lack of performance and not pay him out if if he starts Carlos Sanchez in this match. So mm-hmm. I think I think we could basically see him saying like listen, this is me going out on this is the hill I'm dying on here. Agreed. <sighs> well, a long one this week, Jeremiah, but uh nonetheless it was it was needed, I think. We needed the therapy session. Uh to any listeners out there, thank you for for sticking with us and, and you know continuing to consume West Ham, even though it's tougher at times uh, than others. So we appreciate that absolutely. Don't think we we don't uh, we don't think we, we're not appreciative of all of you guys who have us downloaded on your phones and devices. So again, thank you for that um, as well. From Jeremiah and myself uh, at Green Street Hammers, we're always looking for more people to contribute. Um, first and foremost, we are a blog that writes articles. So uh, shoot us a message on Twitter there. Uh, you can tweet at us or DM us. I think our DMs are open, so you should be able to jump in on those and and let us know if you're interested. If you want to write uh, as little or as much as you'd love to, or if you'd want to write, we'd love to have you. Uh, and we think we're nice people to work with, anyway. So yeah. let us know there. We're, we're always looking for more people and more contributors. But uh, oh, begrudgingly, until next time, when we will have a special guest on the podcast, we'll keep it quiet until it happens. But we do have a uh, we'll we'll leave it at returning guests. So yes, uh, we're excited for that. It should be a fiery one again. Uh, come on, you irons. Play.